0: Patriots. Welcome back to Living with Liberty, your source for common sense and truth. Bringing you insight from outside the mainstream, I am your host, Ryan. Today we'll talk about economists predicting a recession for the United States in 2023. I'll have a segment that is certainly going to get this show banned from ScrewTube. And I have an absurd New York Times op-ed. Next, on Living with Liberty... It's as if the big brains at the big banks are finally starting to acknowledge the reality that our economy is headed for a recession. You know, I believe we are already there. The one quarter of growth we had in uh, in 2022, quarter three, doesn't negate the fact that the two prior to it were uh, were negative growth quarters, or known as the very definition of a recession that had been used before we entered. This era of propagandists posing as journalists and economists and everything else. My 401k certainly says we are in a recession. That thing's taken a beating over the last year plus. Economists are starting to get on board with this idea that we are headed towards or in a recession. As a recent Wall Street Journal Survey of economists at 23 big banks show that a majority of them are predicting a recession in 2023 that will result in millions of Americans losing their jobs. Now, I've been watching this for a while. I know we just had an growth numbers come out on jobs uh, a little bit ago, a couple days ago here. That said, oh, we gained 230-some thousand jobs, fine Jobs are always one of the last things that go when a recession hits. I mean, there's there's plenty of other indicators that we are in one, like Amazon, I think, what was it, up to 15,000, I think I saw now, people that they're letting go from AWS. I'll have something later about Salesforce who let a bunch of people go as well or are planning to anyway. I don't know if that's a done deal or not. But at any rate, I watch this stuff. It's my job to watch this. I'm in the business world. So I, I, I watch and see what's going on because it impacts everything I'm, you know, I'm doing or having my clients do. Now, if we're really looking at things, retailer and manufacturer inventories have been piling up for a while now, indicating that demand has cooled. The Fed has been aggressively increasing uh, their funds rates to combat inflation. It's simple economics, and I've been saying this for a while now, that there will be no soft landing from the inflationary spiral we've been in. It's going to be a hard landing. We need to be prepared for it, and we need to acknowledge that. I, I still hear this this talk of a soft landing. There's no soft landing. The Fed's increased the, their funds rate up to about 4% or might be a little over at this point by now. So it, it, there's no soft landing from this just monstrous inflation we've had. We need to get that out of our heads, and we need to get out of our heads that we're not in a recession. The only way to get out of that inflationary spiral is to trigger a recession so prices come down. We're starting to see inventories pile up. What does that mean? That means discounts are going to be coming on that inventory. I just read a story yesterday about uh, about uh, apparel manufacturers and, and the retailers and how the apparel industry now is seeing inventories pile up. And what does that mean? Because fashion is is so fickle and it only lasts for such a short time it means there's going to be big discounts on apparel coming if not if they're not already here. So we're there. I mean, you look at the indicators. I mean, it's it's disingenuous to say we're not there, we're not heading for one. We are and it's we shouldn't be ignoring it. Now, what happens when cheap money dries up due to interest rates going up like they have? The Fed has made really aggressive interest rate increases from you know the last three or four I believe have been either three quarters of a point or a full point well, what happens when that cheap money dries up investment slows down which means businesses are looking to conserve cash instead of investing it back into the business or other ventures which means people lose their jobs what's the first thing that they businesses start cutting when when money uh, when uh, money gets tight and they need to conserve cash jobs that's Labor is a, a big expense into businesses. So those are the first things. The first things to go are jobs. Yes, there's still some. We're still recovering from all the job losses during the, the, the COVID uh, shutdowns. So we're still probably going to see some gains a little bit here for a little bit yet. But jobs are, are one of the last things that, that they're, they're a lagging indicator. Let's put it that way. The, they're the last thing that you'll see flip towards the negative here. So we've got people uh, starting to lose their jobs, as I alluded to earlier. We've got 30-year mortgages that are now over 6.5% in some cases, where just a few years ago, they were sub-3%. What does that mean? That means the home market's slowing down. The house buying market's slowing down now. Another big uh, contributor into uh, kind of our economic activity. Now, What's an interest rate? An interest rate is the cost of money. Now I know most of you say that or know that. I'm saying that for, you know, all the the liberals that listen here that don't understand basic economics that think you can just print money forever and it's fine. And that goes for for big spending Republicans too. They don't obviously don't understand how money works. Let's just print more, send it to places like Ukraine. Lindsey Graham. They don't understand. They don't understand that it inflates. Everything across the board, no matter where we're sending it, because we keep printing it. I mean, uh, how much clearer can that be? Anytime you have an over uh, over glut of something of value like money and you don't have anything to spend it on, that thing you're going to spend it on goes up. That's that simple. The same thing would apply if we had if we had uh, like gold or silver as currency. It, it doesn't matter what the currency is. The dynamics of supply and demand apply to money, as I was just kind of saying right there. How do you reduce the demand for money? You raise the interest rate. You make it more expensive to acquire money, to borrow money, just like you would with a scarce resource or product, thereby preserving the 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 amount uh, that you have on hand. Uh, but people don't get that. I don't know why that's such a hard concept to grasp. Well, I do our, our our education system's crap? So I do get why, and it's crap all the way up to college. You've got economists that don't seem to understand this, and have this modern monetary theory where we can just print infinite amounts of money and it not affect the economy. Just stupid. These are people are economists that say this. Unbelievable. Anyway, that's another sidebar for another time, probably. We look at it like this. The truth is here, there was only one way to get out of this inflationary spiral, and that was to trigger a recession. And that's happening. It has happened. It will happen, whatever you want to term it. With the rate increases enacted by the Fed, they're going to keep going after uh, the, the rate increases until inflation hits their target of 2%. It, it's it's a fact. Now, they might be uh, smaller rate increases in the future, but there's going to be more rate increases until that inflation number is around 2%. So you can expect that we're going to see higher interest rates on things like mortgages, credit cards, et cetera, loans of any type. Now, it be clear that the federal funds rate, uh, the, the, the Fed in interest rate is not tied to directly to your mortgage rates, but Banks and every uh, other lending institution use that as a guidance for what the interest rates should be. So by the time we're all said and done here, we could see mortgage rates as high as 8%, right? So what's that do? That takes more people out of the home buying, uh, kind of out of the, the running for a home a home purchase. You'll see those are high interest rates, right? that That means businesses aren't going to be lending or, or borrowing money to expand their business. They're going to be trying to conserve cash. People are going to be spending more and more still on things like uh, debt uh, debt servicing because those credit card rates are going to go up, and their 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 um, balloon mortgages on their houses are going to go up when it comes time to refinance. There, we'll see home losses without a doubt. Will we see them as in as great of a number as we did during the the Great Recession, if you want to term it that during the the uh, late 2000. Uh, early 2010s. I don't. I don't think we'll see it to that. to, uh, to that uh, extent. But you're going to see people losing their homes because they started handing out these jumbo mortgages again on the with, with the um, variable interest rate. Now they can't pay it off in the two, three, or five years that they got the loan for. So now they have to go get a conventional loan, and that conventional loan's going to be eight percent, which is going to balloon their payment from what they were paying on the the variable rate. So. There's a whole host of factors that are going to come in here, and it's just dishonest to say that we are not going to be in a recession, that we're not in a recession. We are, and it's going to get a lot worse than it already is. Subscriptions are one of the big ways podcasts get discovered, so if you could please do me a favor. Whatever platform you may be listening on or are viewing on, please hit that subscribe button. It will give you an alert. Whenever a new Living with Liberty is published, and the subscriptions help us get into the recommendations so others can find the show. All right, on to the This Will Get This podcast banned from YouTube segment. I have an Epic Times piece here titled, Pfizer's Shots Aren't Safe and Were Never Shown to Be by Joseph Mercola. Now, there's a few important notes from the piece I want to cover here, and I encourage you to go to the piece. I'll link it like I always do in a description box. Uh, not only is it a story. Not only does it have have a bunch of data and graphs in it. It also has, uh, I believe, a link to a podcast or a, a video cast that Epic Times does as well. That that goes into a lot of this detail as well. So it's it's a great article. I encourage you to go and and look it up. But there's a few important notes I just want to cover from this. The first one is this: Dr. Catherine Edwards. A member of Pfizer's Data Safety Monitoring Board, or DSMB, was a previously paid advisor to the pharmaceutical giant. Now, how tell me, how does that work? we just go and say, let's hire somebody to what's supposed to be an independent oversight board that had previous financial ties to the company. And we'll just hire them then again into another paid position with the company to what give us the kind of the, the information we want to give us the insight we want to make sure we can you know have something we can go to the public and say see our independent our independent monitoring board said this was okay is that what we're doing here i mean because it's this seems like this board should be uh, i don't know comprised of of unbiased people with unbiased opinions and unbiased insight someone that hadn't previously been on Pfizer's payroll before I don't know I, it seems seems reasonable to me, right I mean th- that's what I would do if I'm looking for uh, t- to give the public some sort of um, comfort that what we're doing is is safe and effective and and have people that are on this board looking at the data and, and agreeing with that fact. this DSMB is supposed to be, uh, an independent an independent board of experts whose job it is to, is to monitor the safety of patients and the treatment effectiveness of whatever pfizer's putting out in this case it's the jab is it possible for someone to keep their bias from affecting affecting their uh, opinion sure i'm not going to say that it's not someone sure you can do that right i mean I think a lot of us do that every day Day as we go to work, we all have biases and worldviews. But uh, uh, you know, at, at certain points or at uh, certain points of the day or in our jobs or whatever, we got to throw that bias out the window and that, do what's actually best for that entity. You know, we're working for, or volunteering for, or whatever. So I'm not going to say that it's possible that that it's impossible. I should say for someone to keep their bias out of of a decision. It's, it's possible. But when it comes to money, it gets real tough to keep biases in check. You, you don't think so. Go look at our politicians and how they vote and then go back and see who can uh, who was, who are those uh, contributors to their ca- campaigns. You think it you think at that point it, it's hard to keep biases in check when it comes when, when money's been thrown around. Who are you going to lean towards when push comes to shove if you were on someone's payroll before? And let's say it was a successful. I mean, obviously, if you're on someone's pay, payroll and it was a really crappy experience, then, yeah, you you might have a bias the other way, right? But let's say it's it was a, a good experience and, and everything went fine and you were on a payroll of Pfizer. Who are you going to lean towards When push comes to shove, when the data doesn't show what Pfizer wants and they come to put pressure on, you as the board, the independent oversight board, to say, hey, we put a lot of money into developing this. Give us the right answer. Wink, wink. Or they come back and say, hey, you're not giving us the right answer. Remember, you were uh, on our payroll before. Wink, wink. Do you want to keep on our payroll? Wink, wink. Who are you going to lean towards? Well, whoever is lining your pocket, that's who. When asked whether she thought financial incentive could sway people's judgment or not, Edwards replied, it does not sway my judgment. Now, to be fair, I don't know Dr. Edwards' mindset. She may very well be telling the truth about not being biased by financial incentives. Even still, even if that is the case, it's still not a very good Look, the optics are horrible on this. That she was a paid advisor to, to Pfizer before and is now in another, I believe this board's paid by Pfizer, another paid position to be an independent oversight analyst here on this board. It's not, the optics aren't good on this. And it rightfully raises suspicions that someone who was on the board or on the Pfizer payroll before. Is now on an independent board, what should be an independent board anyway, overseeing the safety and efficacy of an experimental treatment in clinical trials. It raises all kinds of questions about the 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 actual data coming out of that. It raises all kinds of questions about the actual safety of this treatment coming out that this board is supposed to be overseeing and analyzing data for it. It 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 just destroys the trust. It creates a whole a whole uh. Realm of distrust. I mean, and we're already there. So I mean, I think this just takes it further. But you can't. You have to have people that are independent. Now, if she was uh, coming back to this independent board, like the the her previous engagement was with Pfizer was on this independent oversight board, fine. That's a little bit better. At least she was, uh, you know, on something that's viewed as independent and and has the patient's best interest in mind. When they're looking at things, but to have been a paid advisor in some other role and now on this board just raises all kinds of suspicions for me. Not that I trust Visor any more any further than I can throw him at this point, but I mean, you you have if your goal is to to build trust in something, in this case, in the jab with independent oversight and say yes, our data is good, we've had it checked by uh, independent experts. This ain't it. It's just not it. And once again, you've got a big pharma company here throwing it in our face that they don't care. They're gonna do what they want because they have no oversight from the government. The government doesn't care. The CDC doesn't care. as long as the Pfizer money's rolling into CDC, they don't care how this looks. It's just embarrassing. All right. The next interesting point from this piece are the results of some German autopsies on. Uh, on uh, patients that had taken the jab and unfortunately passed away, hence autopsies. You all get that. I'm over explaining things here anyway. So, now according to this piece, according to Mercola's piece, the autopsies revealed highly unusual tissue inflammation in people who died shortly after getting the jab. And investigators suspect that the inflammation observed, they observed in these people, would be fatal or would have been fatal. you know, were would have been fatal, you know, regardless here. They also found spike protein in the tissues of the deceased, but not another key part of the COVID virus. This suggests that the actual virus was not part of the problem. So the virus didn't cause these people to die. The only possible source of the spike protein was the jab. So we know that the spike protein is the bad, you know, the bad thing of the virus, right? It lingers. We've seen the studies we've Heard, you know, heard the uh, medical experts talk about it. It's the spike protein. The spike protein is what is causing the long COVID, all that fun stuff. So this German study, these German autopsies reveal that hey, these people died. They had inflammation, but they didn't have any of the other have any other markers of the COVID virus. The only thing they had was the spike protein, which oh by the way, only came from the jab. Would only come from the jab. So that's very interesting. We have spike proteins in the bodies of people who were jabbed but had never contracted COVID. Now, why is it we have to rely on foreign studies to get information on the safety and efficacy of the Pfizer jabs? Why can't we get this from Pfizer themselves? Why aren't they looking at this? Why isn't the CDC looking at it? Why isn't the FDA looking at it? Why do we have to rely on international studies that that aren't by the way, published in things like the Washington Post and the New York Times and the LA Times and any other big left-wing newspaper in this country, and they're not on CNN or MSNBC or any of those. Hell, I don't even think I've seen this on Fox. But the study's out there. It's done by professionals. It's done by medical experts. Why is it we have to rely on the foreign sources of information? Why isn't this coming from... Pfizer themselves, they, we just got done talking about their, their oversight board. This makes it look real suspicious. What, what is that oversight board doing? What are they doing? Nothing, obviously, because we have to rely on a German study to tell us that people are dying from inflammation, and the only source of that inflammation is a spike protein from the jab, because they have no other markers of ever having had the virus. At what point does someone finally tell the truth in this country about the impact this jab is having on the people? It's pathetic that we can't rely on our media to tell the truth. We have the collusion between government, pharma, and the media suppressing the actual data and information. We need to make an informed decision, and it's getting people maimed and killed in this country by an unsafe, untested pharmaceutical product well, untested in the sense that it wasn't properly tested. We're, we're doing lots of testing on it now. People, you got to understand you are the experiment with this thing. And it is, I guess, depending on what your tinfoil hat rating is, it's either, you know, very successful in depopulation or it's just a rushed, a a rushed medical uh, treatment to the, the, um, the uh, market that nobody seems to want to test and acknowledge that the thing sucks and take it off the market because billions of government and uh, and um, uh, private dollars, company dollars, went into the development of this thing and the distribution of this thing. So nobody wants to cut their losses on it at this point because of the uh, huge investment that's in it. But that's what you need to do, especially when it's harming people. Now, the, and you know what that that Bills player. Nowhere has it been said that, you know, is nowhere has it been questioned, I should say, was this because of the vaccine? If if it is, they're sweeping that under the rug. You can bet on that. I want to know where the reporting is on this German study. Where is it in our media? Like I said, nowhere. They're, They're not going to report on it because it threatens the official narrative that Pfizer and the media and the government came up with that this thing is safe and effective. So you won't see this German study anywhere. You won't hear about the suspicious people on their their supposedly independent oversight board. Now this this jab is it's neither it's neither safe nor effective. Back to Mercola's piece here on this, and he says this: the COVID shots are also negatively effective, meaning that after ninety days, both Moderna's and Pfizer's shots. Make you more susceptible to COVID. Huh, that's not what we were told this would do. We were told this was going to eradicate the disease. Everybody had to get it so that the, the, the COVID would be eradicated and we wouldn't have to worry about it anymore. There'd be no transmission. Nobody would get sick, blah, blah, blah. You know what, though? If we would have done proper trials, if we wouldn't have rushed this thing through in 10 months, as opposed to the 10 years it typically takes to get a vaccine through the system, through the trials and everything else, we probably would have known that they weren't safe or effective. And if Pfizer wasn't hiring people previously on their payroll to head up a board for oversight, of the the data and the safety and effectiveness of this, we would know that they're not safe and effective and this thing never would have made it to market. Let's be honest about that. Take me down, YouTube. I don't care. Be honest about it. If this thing went through its proper trials, it never would have made it to market. If we had actual people at the CDC and FDA who cared more about the data and actual reality, and actual science than propaganda and government power, this never would have made it to market. It never would have been approved for emergency use. It never would have made it out of clinical trials. The jabs have a negative effectiveness after 90 days. So you're going to get sick. That's what that's what that means. You're going to get sick. You take the jab, you're still going to get sick. You're probably more susceptible to getting sick because the jabs, as we've noted before on this show, target only one specific part of the COVID virus and not the rest of it. So if you've got natural immunity, your natural immune response is going to attack the whole thing, not one little piece, which is why this thing is the, the COVID virus has mutated so quickly because we've... Jab so many people that are attacking one little specific part of the virus instead of a comprehensive look at the virus that the virus has to mutate quick to evade that vaccine protection, thereby giving these, the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccines, negative effectiveness after 90 days. So instead of being honest about the actual data out there, the propagandists posing as reporters, the elected officials, The bureaucrats continue to push an ineffective remedy so they can maintain their power, and not look stupid for pushing something that doesn't work and will make you more likely to get the woo flu after you've gotten jabbed. The longer they push this narrative in the face of this mounting data that is to the contrary of said narrative, the less trust people will have in pharma and government If you even have a sliver of trust left in them at this point, and you know what? It'll be well-earned. It's rightfully so. We shouldn't trust these clowns anymore. If you're listening to the audio-only show and your platform allows for reviews, please give us a five-star review. It helps others find the show. Whether you are listening to the audio version or viewing on Rumble or YouTube, hit the Rumble or Thumbs Up button. The more interactions we have, the more the show gets into the recommendations made by the algorithms, and the more we are able to spread the truth. Well, it looks like old Joe is now taking a different tone that we have a split government, at least at the legislative level anyway, with uh, the House being in Republican hands and the Senate being in Democrat hands. So he's, he's now focusing on the bipartisan work that the on the economy that he and other big spending Republicans, let's be honest, uh, worked out. Through the course of 22, and he's focusing on that as we roll into the new year. Now, the worst part of this is we've got the likes of Mitch McConnell who are planning a joint appearance with him to tout the $1 trillion pig known as the infrastructure bill. Uh, if I'm a Republican, I'm running as far away from this as possible. I am running as far away from anything to do with Biden's victory lap. On his disaster of an economic plan, because like I said before, it wasn't. A, and I'll say this now: it isn't a coincidence. I covered the economy at the outset of the show. Part of our our economic issues are in direct, are directly correlated to Biden's economic plan. Period. What happened when he said we no more fracking, and the government has cut off new permits? Price of gas went up. They can blame Putin all they want. Gas was going up well before Putin went into Ukraine. What happened uh, with with all the money they've printed? Well, now eggs are over 450s. I saw if someone's buying eggs in the store for five bucks or more. Now, yes, we've had bird flu, if you want to call it that, that have resulted in the the culling of a lot of chickens. But it's not limited to eggs everything's gone up. And this, this whole economic plan is a disaster and yet this clown wants to take a victory lap about it and he's roping in his big spending Republican buddies as well like Mitch McConnell. All the indicators are we are in a recession. The leading indicators like consumer price index and consumer confidence and the trucking market have shown a decline in economic confidence and activity. Inflation is still raging, and the bozo, and Bozo the White House clown and Chuckles the Senate clown here want to pat themselves on the back because they got another spending bill through that we can't afford as a nation. All the while, we have economic indicators that are showing we are heading for a a crash in our economy, which ancillarily here, but also important lessens government re- revenue. So what happened now? So let's spend a bunch of trillion dollars or pass a bunch of trillion dollar bills in the face of a recession, which is going to lessen government revenue. What happens? Well, for those big government lovers, I want to argue that point that recession is going to lessen government revenue. Let's think about where the government gets its money. Then think about how people lose their jobs during a recession. And then if you still have trouble putting two and two together, where the government gets their money and what people losing their jobs have to do with government getting their money, go ask your conservative friend about why government revenue would decline during a recession. Now, I just saw this week that Salesforce was laying off 10% of their workforce, which amounts to 8,000 people. Don't tell me we aren't in a recession. Don't tell me we aren't really facing one down if you're still on the fence about if we're in one or not. That's a lot of people. I just mentioned before, Amazon, I think, is up to something like 15,000 people or more that they've laid off from AWS, their web servers uh, uh, business. There should be no question at this point what any of these elitist buffoons think of We the People. They throw it in our face constantly, and they're going to take a victory lap uh, while they they spent a bunch of money we don't have, and they're going to take a victory lap about it? They continue to flaunt it in our face and they don't give two craps about this country. They don't care about our kitchen table issues. They only care about patting themselves on the back every time they do the most basic of tasks or when they put our future generations in more debt or when they raise the prices on our stuff or when, when they put something out there that's going to uh, increase our, or, or attempt to anyway, increase our reliance on government services. We don't need government services. We don't need a trillion-dollar infrastructure bill. We didn't need this bloated, almost $2 trillion spending bill that they just passed at the end of the year. And you want you want more proof? I'll give you more proof that they think they're better than us. Now, I just mentioned that, that massive pork bill that they jammed through at the end of the, the year disguised as a government funding bill. That thing was flown on a private plane. Yes, it was the only passenger on that private plane to Biden who was on vacation in the Virgin Islands or wherever the hell he was over the Christmas break for his signature. This decrepit old clown couldn't even wait around in D.C. until this bill got passed. He went on his vacation, had the damn thing flown down there on a private plane for his signature by the end of the year so the government wouldn't shut down. A 4,000-page bill, that's a whole other story. Why is a spending bill 4,000 pages? The amount of things we're spending money on in the U.S. government should fit on the front and back of a 3x5 index card. A 4,000-page bill got its own private plane ride to the president who continuously scolds us about our fossil fuel use and global warming. Think about that for a second. We flew paper from Washington, D.C. to the Virgin Islands to a president who yells at us about global warming and climate change and too much fossil fuel use. Well what was in that plane, it sure as hell wasn't a solar-powered plane. Let that sink in for a minute. You you think you don't think these people think they're better than you? Wrong. They think you're they're better than us. Now I'm sure we'll see a victory lap on this bill too since there were a few Republicans that voted for it. So we'll get another we'll get victory lap on this. Republicans would do well to to run away, run as far away from anything that has to do with Biden's pat himself on the back tour. run away from anything that has to do with our economy because it's crashing. It's coming down. We're heading towards a recession, and it's going to be a very hard landing. All right, finishing up for today. If there was even a sliver of hope that the New York Slimes was a credible media outlet, that will be stamped away with this next story, I guarantee you. you'll probably laugh at this too. It's it's absurd. Like I said in the opening, it's a it's one of the most absurd stories I I think I've ever seen. Now, according to the Slimes, if you are short, and this is an op-ed in the in the Slimes, if you are short, you have a smaller carbon footprint. Yes, that's an actual op-ed they ran. They ran a story saying shorter people have smaller carbon footprints. So let's get short everybody. Everybody just get short. Mate with shorter people. Now, this op-ed was written by Mara Altman, and it implores us to mate with shorter people so we can stop climate change. Yes, fill the gene pool with a bunch of short people, we'll stop climate change. That's what she's getting at here. Now, Altman had this to say in, in uh, in her piece. She said this, From where I stand at five feet even, being tall is a widely held fantasy of superiority that long ago should have been retired. Now, from where I stand at an uneven six foot one. this seems like height slamming or height shaming to me, and I am extremely offended by it. Actually, this seems more like height envy to me. seems like she's the one engaging in fantasy here, wishing she was taller. she has some sort of fantasy that that tall people think they're superior. Yeah, some of them do. I'm not gonna lie. She's wishing she was taller, though, and having all the perks that come with it, like having little old ladies ask you to grab that can of soup off the top shelf at the grocery store, which I I happily do. Don't go around saying Ryan hates little old ladies and tells them to climb the shelf like it's Everest and get the soup themselves. I don't do that. I will grab that. If I see someone struggling to get a can of soup off the top shelf, I'm grabbing the can of soup for them. <laughs> so. It seems like she's got some envy here, right? It's either She's either shaming us tall people or, or she's got envy. I mean, th- think about it. Who wants, to wa- who wants to go watch basketball with a bunch of five-foot people playing basketball? They- they'd have to lower the hoop to like seven feet so we could get dunks back in the game at that point. Like, come on. Now, Altman's vision of the future is just as stupid as her height jealousy. She said this, The future I envision is different. I want my children's children to know the value of short. I want them to call themselves short drinks of water with legs for minutes. While one yells, I'm the shortest, I hope the other will bend his knees to gain an advantage, shouting, no, I'm the shortest. <laughs> so Altman wants her children and grandchildren to mock people with dwarfism. Real nice. Real nice. And how did this, how'd this story get past the soy boy editor at the slimes i mean uh the, this whole thing this that whole statement there i read seems pretty offensive no i mean why stop there i legs for minutes i'm the shortest I, the, the, you know it's a race to the bottom it's, it's it's let's say let's be honest with the leftists it's a race to the bottom with these people anyway but let, let's have a race to the bottom let's battle over who's the shortest i mean this whole thing how'd this get past the, the editors at the slimes this is offensive isn't it I mean, if we let's apply the leftist lens to it. This is offensive. I kind of find it funny, but let's just apply the, the rules here that we're playing under. This is an offensive piece. Now, why stop there? Why stop there, though? Why stop uh, at her kids getting her grandkids, whatever, getting down on their knees? Uh, why, why stop there? Maybe her children and grandchildren will just have their legs amputated while they're getting their plumbing change. Yeah, I'm going in for a plumbing change. Just amputate my legs, too. I want to be the shortest. Just amputate them. Take, cut my legs off. <laughs> this is stupid. How stu- I can't believe this ran. Oh, I can. It's the New York Times. I can believe this ran because it, it had the, the climate change narrative. That's why it ran. Never mind how offensive it is. All right, so I'll end with this bit of stupidity from Altman. <laughs> she said this. When you mate with shorter people, you're potentially saving the planet by shrinking the needs of subsequent generations. Actually, no. You become a lion snack at that point. Can you imagine we got a bunch of, a bunch of three foot people running around. The animals are taking over because we can't subdue them anymore. And you got all kinds of lion snacks and tiger snacks out there. You know, don't go into water at that point. You're freaking, you know, a snack for any size shark that comes up. Barracuda, you'll be a barracuda snack, you know, piranha snacks, whatever. I mean, God, (laughs) you you don't shrink the needs. That's stupid. How are you shrinking the needs by shrinking the person? There's plenty of short people out there who outweigh me and eat a lot more than I do. How are you shrinking the the needs? This is the stupidest thing I ever saw. You know what? That's assuming, I'm assuming that stupidity has peaked. There, there's going to be more. Anyway, <laughs> no, you... Beca- Consumption is consumption. Shorter people don't equate to less consumption of resources, especially when a population is still growing. Stupid. You see see these leftists, they don't put two and two together. They don't think anything through. They just think, oh, size matters. Okay, Uh, if we shrink the person, we shrink the amount of resources they consume, thereby we save the planet. No, that's stupid because you still have population growth to attend to. Uh, Not that I want to give them ideas. The only way you're going to conserve resources is to consume less of them and to consume less of them. you need less people on the planet. Sorry. And I'm a firm believer that the planet is here for our use. Yes, we have to be responsible for it, but it will give us everything we need. and many much of what we consume is regenerative. So uh, who th- you know many of you will remember this. we were supposed to be out of oil by the year 2000. Yet we find out we're sitting in on more oil than ever and have enough for another 100, 200 years, whatever it is. So, so don't tell me this, that the, the resources are, you know, that that matters in any way, shape, or form. I, just stupid. I, you know, just when you thought the world couldn't get any dumber, the New York Slimes comes through again to assure you that, yes, indeed, the world can get a whole lot dumber. Now, before I go, don't forget to tune in live to Rucksack Radio on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central for Laughs and Liberty with Tom and me. You can catch us live on Riverside FM, Rumble, YouTube, or Twitch. We have chats going on Riverside, Rumble, and YouTube. We get a lot of questions through there. Good to see you all in there. We love to engage with you on the chat. So join us Tuesday, 7 p.m. Central, live for Laughs and Liberty. Friends, that's my show for today. Thank you for tuning in. Please check out my website, livingwithlibertypodcast.com. There you'll find links to my past shows, my original articles, as well as other resources to help arm you with knowledge in fighting off the prevailing narratives of the day. While on my website, shop my store, Living With Liberty Outfitters. Lastly, I'd be so grateful if you shared, subscribed, and left a positive review of the show, should your listening platform allow. Subscribing helps us move up the charts and helps more people find the truth.